Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Dr. Robert Newlander? This case takes place in Syracuse, New York in 2012. Dr. Robert Newlander was a well-known OBGYN. He had delivered a number of babies in his community. Robert had two children from his first marriage. His second marriage was to a woman named Leslie. They were together for 28 years and had two children of their own. Robert had been dealing with some financial problems for some time. He was in a dispute with an insurance company who claimed that he overbilled them by $1.8 million. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On September 17, 2012, at 8.25 a.m., Jenna Newlander called 911 after her father Robert yelled for help. He claimed that he had just found his wife Leslie on the floor of the bathroom shower. The paramedics arrived and found that Leslie had a massive head wound. She was pronounced dead at the scene. The police started investigating. Here's what they found. Leslie was on the floor of the bedroom close to the bed. This was about 60 feet from the shower. There was blood next to the wall on the bed and blood pooled on the rug in the bedroom. Robert told the police that he carried his wife there from the bathroom in order to have a more comfortable place to perform CPR. Jenna could be heard on the 911 call yelling at her father, don't move her. The medical examiner on the scene believed that Robert's account matched Leslie's injuries. Leslie was standing in the shower and must have fallen and struck her head on a stone bench. The police were not too sure about this conclusion, but they deferred to the medical examiner. Jenna was interviewed by the police. Her story appeared to support the accident theory. She saw her father carrying her mother from the bathroom to the bedroom. As he was doing this, Robert was checking to see if Leslie was breathing, as if CPR was something he was thinking about. The police started to have more doubts about the case when they received tips about Robert's behavior. Many people knew him as a kind and productive member of the community, but others were suggesting that Leslie was trying to get away from him. He wasn't really what he seemed. The police searched Robert's house six months after Leslie's death. By this point, it was empty because Robert sold it and moved to an apartment. 
The police found blood spatter on the blinds that were behind the bed and on the back of the headboard. The police spoke to the housekeeper for the Newlanders. She said that the sheets on the bed on September 17 were not the same ones there the day before. The police started working under the theory that Robert murdered Leslie in the early morning hours of September 17. He attacked her in the bedroom and she somehow made her way to the bathroom, like she stumbled or fled during this attack and went about 60 feet. Now there was a trail of blood that Robert needed to explain. He left the house not to go for an early morning jog, but to dispose of the sheets and the murder weapon. After returning, he yelled out to his daughter while carrying Leslie from the bathroom to the bedroom. This solved two problems for Robert. One, it gave him a witness. He was trying to help his wife. Two, it explained the blood trail that was already there. The police now considered Robert a suspect. At this point, Robert knew the police were looking at him and he hired an attorney. Fifteen months after his wife's death, he was interviewed by the police. He admitted that there was some trouble in the marriage. He and his wife were sleeping separately. He told investigators it was a trial separation. Robert said that on the night before Leslie died, they had dinner at the residence of a friend. Their son and daughter joined them. After dinner, their son made his way back to his college dormitory and their daughter Jenna returned home with them. Robert told his wife goodnight and they went to bed in their separate bedrooms. It was a murder-free evening. Early in the morning on the day that she died, Robert went for a jog in a nearby park. He returned to the house afterward and brought Leslie a cup of coffee. He could hear that the shower was running, so he put the coffee on the nightstand and left the bedroom. An hour later, he walked back to the bedroom to see what was going on with his wife. It seemed like the shower just wasn't ending. He entered the bathroom and discovered Leslie on the shower floor. He started CPR and attempted to call 911, but the phone in the bathroom was not operational. This is why he ran toward Jenna's bedroom and yelled for his daughter to call 911. Robert was having trouble seeing Leslie because the lighting was not that bright in the bathroom. He put Leslie down just outside of the bathroom and resumed CPR, but then he decided to move her again next to the bed. Robert didn't do himself any favors by supplying this account of what happened. The medical examiner changed the cause of death from accidental to homicide. In 2014, Robert was arrested and charged with murder. Robert was convicted of murder and evidence tampering in 2015. He was sentenced to 20 years to life in prison. His conviction was overturned in October 2019 due to jury misconduct. Robert was retried and found guilty again in March of 2022. Now moving to my analysis. Was Robert Newlander actually guilty? His family stood behind him through the two trials, including his daughter Jenna. They believed this was a terrible accident and not murder. Robert's defense attorney said, quote, I never had a client whose innocence I believe in more firmly than him, unquote. This seems kind of insulting to the rest of his clients. I could picture them saying, wow, really? I thought you believed I was the most innocent. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. 
Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Let's take a look at the factors both for and against the idea that Robert Newlander was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. At the time of Leslie's death, Robert was having serious financial problems. The relationship between Robert and Leslie was not good. They were in the process of separating. The prosecution said that Robert had multiple affairs. A witness said that Leslie was planning on signing a lease for a new apartment on the day she died. Although it's worth noting, that same witness later changed her story to say that the apartment was for both Leslie and Robert. The physical evidence at the scene was not consistent with an accident. There was blood spatter all over the bedroom. It represented a significant quantity of blood. Leslie had sustained at least two blows to her skull. The wound on her head was not consistent with striking the straight edge of a stone bench. She had other injuries as well, like bruising on her nose and left cheek, as well as bruising and scraping on her neck. Unless the stone bench in the shower attacked her, she wasn't injured by the bench. To be fair, no one ever suspects shower benches as violent offenders, they can get away with just about anything. Leslie's time of death was sometime around 7.30 a.m. It may have been several hours earlier. The 911 call was placed at 8.25 a.m. Although it was not allowed to be presented as evidence in the trial, the paramedics told the prosecutor that Leslie was in rigor mortis. To them, it was painfully obvious she had been dead for some time. Jenna testified that at one point she saw her father take off a bloody, long-sleeved shirt and toss it to the side. The shirt was never found. Was it a magic flying shirt, or did it never exist? The housekeeper said that the sheets on the bed had been changed. This makes it seem as though Robert was hiding something. Robert had carried Leslie from the bathroom to the bedroom unnecessarily. He even moved her once after stopping right outside the bathroom to get her closer to the bed which of course was closer to the blood spatter that was found later. Now moving to the exculpatory factors. Perhaps Robert could have caused the blood spatter without committing murder. His CPR efforts would have involved rapid movements. First responders could have pulled off their gloves quickly, which could have created blood spatter. Some of the blood spatter was detected months after the murder. The crime scene was already contaminated at that point. Leslie had vertigo for about 15 years, and her condition had been getting worse. Experts testified that Leslie's injuries could have been sustained as a result of falling and hitting her head against the stone bench. When weighing all the evidence, do I think that Robert Newlander was guilty? Yes, 
I think he was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. It's clear that his wife died at least one hour before the 911 call, and he made an effort to conceal her manner of death. I think he killed her in the heat of the moment, probably with some type of heavy object. After murdering her, he panicked. He could get rid of the sheets on the bed and the murder weapon, but there was no way he could get rid of all the blood in the room. He came up with this idea of blaming Leslie's death on a fall in the shower. The police believe that Leslie may have run into the bathroom during the murder. This is why Robert did that whole thing with carrying her body back to the bedroom. He wanted to make sure her body passed over the blood trail in a way that didn't point to homicide. This may have been the case, but I'm not sure that's why he moved her body. If she had left a blood trail to the bathroom, he could have simply said he found her next to the bed, like she hit her head in the shower and stumbled into the bedroom. There was no need to carry her. I think what happened here is they needed to explain her massive head injuries, and the stone bench in the shower seemed like a good culprit. It was the only object in the area that would fit with her injuries and that she could have struck without assistance from him. It's more believable that somebody would slip and fall in the shower than in a bedroom. Amazingly, Robert was almost successful at getting away with murder. I think this case speaks to the power of being a reputable member of the community and having a supportive family. It is truly protective against being suspected of a crime. Everybody initially gave Robert the benefit of the doubt, even though it was fairly obvious he committed murder. This case reminds me of the staircase murder. This was a homicide that took place in 2001 when a husband named Michael Peterson was alone with his wife Kathleen in their large house. She somehow ended up with a massive head injury. Michael said that she must have fallen on the stairs. He was eventually convicted after taking an Alfred plea for voluntary manslaughter. It was a challenging case where there was quite a bit of doubt. The reason the Robert Newlander case had much less doubt was the moving of the body. If he had murdered his wife in the shower, he probably would have been able to get away with his crime. What was the motive in this case? This is just a theory, my opinion. I think that Robert was having affairs and financial problems. Leslie was leaving him, which was only going to add to his financial devastation and hurt his upstanding image. He was intent on talking her out of it, but she wasn't going to change her mind. Robert was accustomed to getting his way and did not respond well to being rejected. It's amazing to me how many wealthy people put themselves into terrible financial situations. Robert made a lot of money even when his practice was not going well, but he spent a lot of money too. He lived far above his means and set himself up for financial problems. He was not realistic, and after the murder, he hoped that law enforcement would not be realistic either. Initially, it seemed as though he was correct, but fortunately they changed their course and put an end to his criminal career. Robert complained that later in his career he was only delivering half as many babies as he did during the good times of his career. He must really be complaining now, as male prisons are known for having a remarkably low demand for OBGYN services. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis.
I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now.